You're listening to a Destiny Park Media Podcast. Shut the door, have a seat. It's time for another round of Dad Men. Ladies and gentlemen, we are moving through Season 2. I'm enjoying every minute of it. The voice you are hearing is Mike Jala, and I'm with the homie. Michael Rowland. Yes, Rowland. (laughs) (laughs) The Royal Rowland. (laughs) Just call me Mr. Rowland, folks. How you doing? Uh, We'll do, we'll do, we'll do, buddy. (laughs) It's actually pronounced Roland, but for some reason, sometimes people like break their neck trying to pronounce it like Rowland. Yeah, people will do funny things with, with everyone's last name if it's not completely um conventional i mean my last name is jala and yeah i've heard a couple of different ways it being said but m- lately people that pronounce it have been really nailing it which is kind of weird because early in life it wasn't like that i think people have become uh, they become more mindful of uh of that t- type of thing maybe i think so and they, they it's not as hard as it looks you yeah. know what I mean? So, it's one of those That's things. What she said. <laughs> that, would be, <laughs> that would be that would be something Don might have said or, or Betty sure. maybe at some point. <laughs> Damn, but it's not as hard as it looks. Um, I feel like, yeah, Betty, she would, like, if she met you, she would say, oh, what's your name? And uh, she would totally mispronounce your last name even after you said it to her. Gosh, uh, one of those people. Yeah. Jaula? Oh. Jaula? Jaula? Damn it, that's... <laughs> but then Don would get mad at Betty, um, but he wouldn't pronounce your last name. He would just say, nice to meet you. Let's... Yeah, yeah. He's just very cordial about it. It's like... We have a reservation. And this, you're the you're the server in this <laughs> fantasy of mine. Um, at the oh, Trader man. Joe's, the Trader Joe's restaurant in, uh, in the, <laughs> the 60s. 1960s and 70s, yes. yeah. yeah. Beautiful. How, beautiful. how you doing, Jala? I've been good, man. I, well, let me be honest. I've been, I've been all right. Uh, the season has changed, but unfortunately, m- with it, my mood kind of shifts. Mm. I think I've had bouts of like um, sad in the past, you know, uh, seasonal affective disorder or whatever, you, sure. or whatever you call it. So, but they've been pretty good f- for the past couple of years, but I think it's kind of coming back a little bit. Um, but but I don't know if I want to chalk it up to that. But I know that the season change is kind of affecting some of that, so it's um we're we're kind of doing a lot. So you know, Luna's still doing the school thing, still really trying to like get some you know a comfortability with it that I think is like more you know usual for her, and you know doing stuff like that, just kind of new things in that in that in that way. Um, with life and then kind of just scheduling kind of changes because of that. And then it's kind of me trying to find a balance between work and chore and fun and stuff like that to kind of put them all together in a harmonious bowl. And I think um, trying to nail that down has been trickier than, 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 uh, than it usually has because of the three, those three things kind of working against each other. But what I I have started doing more home projects like I've been wanting to do hmm. and had started to have more uh, motivation to do some of these things. So I started painting again downstairs because we got to re I got to repaint 
most of the stuff down here so that we can start moving our upstairs stuff downstairs and that's going to be like the new tv in quote-unquote entertainment room or whatever the case and the upstairs is going to be like music books sitting area yeah Um, because i got the vinyl set up up there but it's not prominently positioned because the tv is the main thing in that room so we're shifting things and moving it around and um I've kind of started restarted the process of that, and I've enjoyed painting. I I, I like painting. It, it, I think the thing about painting is it um, it takes a lot of it. It's not a lot to actually paint the wall. It's really more the cleanup that takes so goddamn long. <laughs> so it's oh, like cleaning the goddamn roller so that like you can use it again later. Like so, it's not has doesn't have paint all over it still. Paint cleaning yeah. the brushes and things of that nature. That that part's really obnoxious, but. The process of doing it is good, and so it's really for me. This season's kind of just trying to find my motivations and joys at the same time, while also being pointed enough to not stray away too far from work. So it's 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 an interesting time. Let's just say that. Yeah. Well, um, that's cool that you're finding the energy to do your projects. That's got to be a good sign that you know something inside you is still. Lively so <laughs> and it's got energy. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, uh, also, if I'm a positive theory, mm-hmm. um, I do think that the fact that we were getting colder temperatures and then it, it right now, I think we're getting colder again, but there were a few days here in Minnesota where it was in the 70s. Yeah. And I do feel whether it's like the, the pressure, um, I forget mm-hmm. what type of pressure it's called. Yeah. Uh, let's say hyper hyperbolic time I like pressure. hyperbolic. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> uh, it's not right. It's a Dragon Ball Z <laughs> thing, but uh, um, which we I never talk about, as you know. The nerds but, uh, will know. <laughs> shout out to you guys. Shout out to the nerds. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> but my point is, is that I feel like that the weather changing from one season to another in the span of a week, mm-hmm. um, and then changing back, I do think it impacts like the minds. Of the humans, you know? Yeah. The minds of the humans. That's what the mm. horror movie I'm working on. <laughs> the minds the, of the, the humans. The minds. Coming to theaters <laughs> on October 30th of 2020. <laughs> they're basically saying, we're not going to give you a date for this. It's not. It's never coming out. It's never um, coming. It's never coming. The minds of the humans. Yeah. Did you see my uh, Rachel in the back? I, I wasn't able to put I her s- up, but she's back. I see there. her. I see her. I, I, that's beautiful. Holding that phone. That's Rachel. That's Rachel, yeah. folks. Rachel we love Lincoln. Rachel, don't we, Ooh. folks? Uh, She's a beauty. Well, I, I could tell you that I feel a sort of similar, I, I think you would call it maybe melancholy. Um, yeah, that's a good like, word for it. We just had we just had Halloween over here. Yep. And um, I've got to be freaking 100 with you, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a guy who loves horror movies. And every year I think to myself, I love Halloween. I love Christmas. I love them both. It's all good. Mm-hmm. But- this year, I just felt really, like, fucking tired of Halloween. Like, I'm like, I don't really care about this at all. Yeah, I I used to feel like that about Halloween, and I guess the kids help boost it back up because mm. it's kind of fun for them. Seeing but I never, honestly, eyes. yeah, but I never was, unlike you, I was, I was, I was never super huge on Halloween. Like, I liked it for a while, and then once I was a little bit, once I got a little bit too old to do the costume running and, and house candy move, um, you know, because I don't know, I feel like the parents, the people that are giving out candy, at least at least back then, kind of started to poo-poo like older kids like 
going to homes oh, and getting yeah. candy. You remember? Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I still, um, I was still doing it until uh, last year. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll see. As long as you got a mask on, man, I think, yeah. I think, I think you're good to go. I'm a, I play football in high school. Yeah, <laughs> one of the line kids breakers. get <laughs> kids get bigger every year. Wow. Okay. <laughs> no, I feel you, man. I, I, um. But speaking of the Halloween piece, did you not find a cool Halloween horror movie to watch uh, this season? Oh, I watched several, Ooh. several. In fact, mm-hmm. I watched, I watched Nope, mm-hmm. and I watched. Um, there was one other one. What was it? Did you see Terrifier 2? No, I've been meaning to. Um, same, same. I, uh, that's something where like I, I, I could be a little opinionated about that. Sure. I feel like that's like a manufactured success story. Where Ooh, okay. Th- so, people are like, this is the most disturbing movie of all time. People are throwing up in the theaters. Yeah. And there's never been a movie this crazy. Here's the thing. There are movies like this straight to video and on streamers. Yep. There are movies that's I'm not saying it's not disgusting. It is. But what they did <laughs> is that it's an amazing marketing strategy straight out of Mad Men. They're like, let's take this movie that cost what is it, like seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars to make or Crazy. two million dollars to make. So, some mm-hmm. number between those two. Let's yeah. put it in theaters and let's make sure that we sh- we show it at a festival or two to normies and they're gonna throw up because they're not used <laughs> to seeing something that's like grindcore disgusting. Um you know, horror shit. Yeah. And what we've done is created buzz where, oh no, an old lady threw up. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm being very cynical, by the way. But, so, you know, people threw up and now it's being hailed as this box office phenomenon because it made $7 million and it cost somewhere between 750000 and $2 million, you know? Right. And I, I'm not rooting against like an independent horror movie. Sure. Don't get me wrong. But its hype is like, you know, it's orchestrated. Yeah, it's, I, I, I see that. I see but, that. But um, I want to take a second to find out what other movie I watched, which, you know, that's yeah. the old man brain. We'll find out what other movie I watched because <laughs> I hope I liked it. I love that. Um, I love that. That's though. so pathetic. I but, love it, though, because it's so real. It's so. It's but so. that's how my brain works. Like, people <laughs> mm-hmm. could say, hey, man, what, who are some of your favorite bands? And I'd be like, uh, no, I can't think of a single band I've yeah, ever. Let me, uh, let me look through my Rolodex of stuff. Oh, um, I watched The Scary of 61st, which okay. is really, um, it's it's an exploitation horror movie, which like, those can be fucking fantastic. And I really sure. thought this was going to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about these two girls who get a new apartment uh, in New York, mm-hmm. and it just so happens that it used to be owned by Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, what? Oh, I think Not- I might have heard of this. Yeah, it's it's not a fictionalized version of Jeffrey Epstein. It's it's the real guy, um, <laughs> and it's just no. so so. You would think that's this is going to go off the rails and be really fun, and yeah, it goes off the rails. But it's like going off the rails at, at, at a like at a sloth's pace, where it's just oh, like so yeah, boring. Yeah. Um, it almost I almost gave it like a one, but like the it was shot on film, so okay. that's. It looks Something. pretty good. Like, it does look pretty good. Um, okay. The cinematography is pretty cool at some points, I guess. Sure. Um, it's not just that it was shot on film, but that it looks pretty nice. Um, okay. And um, it's just batshit stupid. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. And I did watch uh, the new Barney documentary, I Love You, You Hate Me, but that's not scary in a fun way. It's scary in a why Creepy-ish. did people get so mad at this 
purple dinosaur man. Oh um, yeah, yeah, that was going but, around around. I, I I didn't see that yet, but and and nope is um my review for that would be not as scary as I expected, but mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Um, awesome. You would be surprised by how fun it is. There are genuinely disturbing moments in it, but like sure. the third act is like. I've seen it compared to Spielberg. I don't know if I see Spielberg, but um, it's an adventure. Like it's and it's really great characters, really great family bond stuff. And oh, that's uh, good. That's good. Yeah, we don't I, have I a would, ton of those that are in that I've in theaters that I've seen recently. Yeah, it's it's cool because this is like a <laughs> horror movie that is batshit crazy and and weird in the way it approaches the subject of aliens yeah. coming to Earth. Um, but it has heart. It's not right. cynical like a Terrifier 2 or right. a Scary of 61st. Right. I, tied, I brought it all together, man. Beautiful, um, beautiful. This is why we're up for a potty this year. <laughs> <laughs> Vote for but us online at www. Best, <laughs> best tying it up together by Michael Rowland and Mike J- Jella. Is that how I pronounce it? Jella? Is your name Jella? <laughs> by the way. I did call you Jolly once uh, in yeah. an episode a few weeks I've back. I've been called that a lot, actually. Okay, good. I was that wondering if that was okay. That one is a good nickname. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I did it without asking, and I was like, "This shows that we're cool to get, this. We're cool <laughs> with each other." But exactly. I might have accidentally done a microaggression. Um, no, no, no. I've been called Jolly a lot. That well, was like that a, was a nickname. Macro, <laughs> that <laughs> was a macroaggression. <laughs> I'm pissed about it. Um, How dare you? Did you see any horror movies before we move on? No, nah, man, I'm I'm so behind. Um, the only thing horror that we that I've seen thus far, I think, has been um, the uh, Midnight Club show on Netflix, and that was like a TV related thing. No movie horror yet. Okay, uh, we'll we'll do something. We'll do something. Yeah, definitely we will. We got plans. We got plans with uh, Jamie Fox. Yeah, and, we're gonna uh, meet him. We're gonna meet. We're gonna meet up with him eventually for dinner. Mm-hmm. By the way, after we <laughs> after we recorded that last week's episode, uh, I felt so bad that I had imitated Jamie Foxx's voice several times throughout the episode, <laughs> and I I panicked. I panicked and talked to Jala after the episode. Like, do you think this is gonna be okay? <laughs> and Jala, you were very nice to me, and you're like, yeah, man. I you you didn't like do it in a mocking way. You were just yeah. Like, there's a difference. There's a difference. But, but that's just that's a glimpse into the the like the madness that is my mind where it's like <laughs> did i hurt someone's feelings even if there's the slightest possibility that i could have hurt someone i will lose my shit and no. like nuke the episode it's so, gone it's it's in the trash can guys that's why you can't find that episode anymore it's all gone patreon gone baby gone <laughs> patreon <laughs> patreon yes who said that uh is that uh, a ghost not uh, me not me i didn't say anything <laughs> so before we get going into the episode, guys, um, we did get a Twitter reply that I want to uh, highlight here. Ooh. It's from um, Galaxy Nachos, and they appear to be replying to our Dad Men podcast post about season two, episode one. Mm-hmm. And he um, um, he <laughs> uh, <laughs> he he seemed to like think that we didn't cover we, we missed something in the episode, which okay. I'm definitely open to that. Um, and I was just telling someone that like the way we do the show is really fun and I don't like doing like the episode scene by scene and beat right. by beat. Right. But we are we are going to miss some stuff. So, that's where we love hearing from uh, listeners. So, Absolutely. Um, this listener on Twitter said, Joan boosts Peggy when she reprimands Lois, but in a way, in a way that draws a line between Peggy and every other woman in the office. Mm-hmm. Peggy is, in quotations, Miss Olsen. But Joan is never, in quotations, Miss Holloway to the secretaries. Mm. 
So let's take a second to address that. So that's a great observation and Absolutely. we we did not bring that up. So it's it's very interesting and I think it explains why Joan gets Peggy back a little bit in the episode later on in the episode with the copy machine. And um, it's, it's a great point that the way this office is structured, the power mm-hmm. structure is set up so that most women in the office are not going to be given the respect that they should. Right. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a line between the ladies that work at Sterling Cooper versus the seasoned women that work at... Well, not even that. I think it's a line no. between the two spaces, like like how uh, the um, the listener was saying. It's the ladies of Sterling Cooper, and then it's Peggy who's moved up into this new air of space because she's like a copywriter now. And also, Peggy is being treated as a man. Um, right. She is sitting at the table with... She's at the men's table. Yeah, she's you know? with the boys. And she's being treated as such. And Don even said at the end of season one, almost like it was foreshadowing this development, um, ask for a raise like a man. He's given her the advice to be a man. Yep. Essentially. Step into that space. Yeah. and uh, But it sucks because Joan is like keeping that place running. She's an incredibly powerful force in the office. And yet... Everyone is comfortable enough to call her Joan. Yeah, even it's, Lois. Um, it it um it keeps Joan accessible to the rest of the ladies without because she doesn't want to alienate herself either because then she yeah. will be by herself in that way because there's not another Joan figure within Sterling Cooper that runs it the way that she does that she could like convene with as like a team or you know like a little like side group like she has to be amongst the people you know what i mean yeah but even so, so um i don't think you're going to have someone calling any other woman who works there a mrs so and so um sure like, unless they're you know someone who has been there maybe a very very long time right um but yeah it's it's and you know you're not you're not seeing any guys work at the desks it's, it's always girls. And they say, mm-hmm. have your girl call me or right. have your girl set a meeting. Right. So. During the time when like this was predominantly woman, um, woman ran, I guess yeah. you could say. Or women were being put in that role. Yeah. Um, you know. I think that's why Peggy's thing is so interesting, the, her, her rise. Yeah. And that's why, you know, rooting for her and stuff like that because of her unconventional path. You know what I mean? Yeah, we success, root, I guess. We definitely root for her, but she's also the only like female copywriter in the whole office. Oh, yeah. So, it's kind of interesting. It is. Hmm. I enjoy it, though. I enjoy it. I enjoy- Obviously, we're big Peggy fans over here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Galaxy Nachos, thank you for your tweet. If you want to have your tweet read on the show, you can use the hashtag DadMenPodcast. It's one word. Or you can uh, use that hashtag anywhere. We'll, we'll find you and yep. we'll, we'll talk about what you said. And uh, get unless it's like, on the show. <laughs> yeah, you'll get you'll get featured on the show. We will not like read stuff that is like racist or only like, relevant things. Yeah, exactly. And even if it's if it's relevant, but then you throw in the sexist or misogynist thing as a way <laughs> to trick us <laughs> to try to Ron Burgundy us and have us read of that, we're just gonna edit it out. So <laughs> nice try. <laughs> yeah, go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> uh, go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> all right. Would you say it's time to talk about the Mad Men's? Let's get into the Mad Men's, man. Episode okay. number four, That's Three right. Sundays. Who directed uh, it? Uh, direction for Three Sundays is good old Tim Hunter. All right, all right. <laughs> but I bet you can't answer who wrote it. 
Oh well, it's our it's our it's our <laughs> beloved French duo, <laughs> Andre Andrea. Well, I'm trying to remember it, Andre Jacquetmon. Uh, yep, yep, Jacquetmon, mm-hmm. and uh, Maria Jacquetmon. Jacquetmon. I think it's Jacques Tamon. Actually, yeah, yes, Jacques Tamon. I love it. I love it. Love these guys. They are love great them. writers. Um, I love I love pretty much every episode they've done. Uh, Same. now I said pretty much. Let's find out if this episode is. <laughs> One of those, or it's if it's an exception. Yeah, let's see, let's see. <laughs> All right. No, this episode is interesting, man. Like, if we break if we if we break it down by you know what's going on at the top, we're starting off at the church directly where we left off from last episode, and you know Peggy's in there with the family, and she ends up meeting the priest, um, a new priest that's I guess visiting or whatever, and. Um, which, by the way, uh, Tom Hanks's kid—I can't remember his first name though. Um, Colin. Colin Hanks, yeah, Colin Hanks. Well played by Colin Hanks. I, I, I really enjoyed him in that role. But as we move from there, you know, Peggy's kind of having this rift with the family. Well, I guess Peggy's not really having this rift. It's more about her sister kind of dealing with Peggy and her nonsense. Let's just say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sure. the favoritism that's going on, really, honestly. Um, yeah. And then, you know, moving from there, you know, we get um we get Don and and uh and Betty and they um they're having some ups and downs that we're gonna get into. Let's just leave it at that. You know, a lot of kid related things going on this episode. I think an overall theme of this episode has been kids, if you kinda pay attention to some of the beats that are happening. Um and then after that we get a call from Duck who's mentioning that American Airlines wants to see them bright and early for a pitch, and that's when it's go time for the t- for the creative team. And then we do get let down by this because apparently the man that's in charge of the uh, setting up this meeting was fired. And um, <laughs> I'm laughing because <laughs> my eye ran across a note I wrote about Pete and his short pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, this these are right. So it's it's. I don't want to spoil the, the carousel, but yeah. I could not forget those pants, uh, <laughs> the shorts. Uh, that's when I saw the title of this episode, uh, Three Sundays. I was like, oh, is this one where they come in on Sunday? And then in bold and underlined, I, I put in my mind. This is in my mind, mind you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and when Pete wore his little tiny shorts, you know, <laughs> make of that what you will. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. have a romantic attraction to Pete, but I mean, it's there's hard a love there. Yeah, there's, there's a love there, but you know, <laughs> yeah, and you know, Sal got to sit next to Pete in the pants, so oh, that's true. I didn't that's think pretty about cool. That. That's yeah, a cool that win for cool. Sal in this episode. Yeah, I, would I would say, say so. <laughs> I don't think. Hey, hey, listen. So I don't think Sal's attracted to Pete. I, they, there's, they give yeah. no indication that he is. He gives no rhythm, no, no rhythm to Pete at all. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not interested in him. That's what Sal's thinking. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's a weakling. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, he is bad. No, no. And then you know we, um, because of this, Don brings in his daughter Sally to work, which is an interesting, uh, interesting move. That because it's Sunday, and also because his son will get into it, but is going mm-hmm. to the emergency room, and then. Sterling finds some uh, companionship <laughs> this episode. Uh, and uh, toward the end, we kind of head back to Peggy and the priest and 
kind of helping the priest out with his, uh, I guess it's a sermon, but I'm not exactly sure what they call it in Catholic church. Cause I don't think he called it a sermon, but I think that's more of like a regular, like a non-Catholic uh, description of what that, you know, presenting something. Else. Um, I think, I think Peggy does mention this, the word sermon. Okay. She good. said, she said the remarks part, there's, there's some part of it that's in English, um, but it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. Uh, Make it but more I could digestible. Be wrong. Make it more colloquial. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No, I, I could be wrong, but I thought they said sermon, but that could be just because what I'm that's what I'm used to same hearing here. when it comes to religious. Yeah. Uh, same here. Speaking. Indeed. Indeed. But yeah. Um. Yeah. We we're left off with her and the priest and the sister confessing. I think that's it in a nutshell. Nothing left on to the do. Carousel? <laughs> <laughs> Wee! That's right. <laughs> that's me riding the carousel. <laughs> Wee! Yes. <laughs> Nostalgia. It's delicate, but potent. Sweetheart. All right. Thank you, Don. Thank you. All right. Mm-hmm. I am a sweetheart. You, you are. You, you really are, buddy. You really are. <laughs> uh, I love playing off of a sound clip. There's, there's nothing better than that. It's cute. It's cute. Soon, <laughs> soon there will be a sound board, but uh, you know that's that's for the future. <laughs> Ew. Zap. Zing. That's, that's all. <laughs> all right. So we're on the carousel, remembering the episode. Yeah, man. Um, I'm not gonna lie. Um, I know you. <laughs> I know you remembered Pete's <laughs> Pete shorts, <laughs> but um. When this episode aired, I remember seeing it, but honestly, I don't remember a ton that... There's not a ton that like really stood out to me where I was like, oh yeah, this episode. I just remember... I remember the... I remember the priest and the Peggy relationship happening. That that I recalled from the past. Um, not a relationship, but they kind of meet each other and kind of have this little thing... There's and, an um, intimacy there. I don't know if it's... I think it is a relationship, but it's not necessarily romantic, I think is right. what you're trying to say. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, but the other but the other pieces of this episode kind of weren't something that really stood on, on my mind uh, when watching this episode. So it was fun to kind of come back to this episode and see like how they pulled together all these different storylines and, um, and beautiful shots, by the way, too. Yep. Um, Mr. Real, Hunter. Yeah, Hunter's doing it, man. He's doing some good stuff with the camera there, buddy. They <laughs> <laughs> call him the Hunter because he's bullseye. Got his eyes on the prize. <laughs> um, it's so funny, Jala, that you uh, are saying that it's like you sort of remember this episode. Mm-hmm. This is barring Nixon versus Kennedy, perhaps my most remembered Mad Men episode. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Because there's just so many intense family scenes that remind, mm-hmm. remind me of my childhood mm-hmm. uh that i think it just hits me in a very visceral way uh um, yeah where bobby when he's jumping on the bed and they're all together don't want to step on your fatherhood corner toes no worries but um bobby is jumping on the bed while betty and don and sally they're all having a great family moment yeah, tickling and, uh, and you know and it's just it's so frustrating and sad that and, and, like, honestly kind of triggering for me, to tell you the truth. Yeah, of course. To have, like, <sighs> this may be too personal, but one of the things from my childhood was, like, 
sometimes when we were having fun as a family, Mm -hmm. it would turn south and I would think to myself, oh, yeah, we can't have fun. Like I, oh, I forgot. interesting thought as yeah. a kid. Yeah, it's, that's it's interesting. a really it's a sad thought, but I literally thought like we weren't supposed to have fun, or like you know we shouldn't even try to have fun because it's going to get ruined by someone. Mm, um, that's a very really interesting thought, man. Because you know, obviously, yeah. I have a kid, and so it's interesting to get into the mind of kind of what's happening on the outside, and then what yeah. the kid is thinking on in the inside. Which, as an older person, sometimes you don't. You don't have that reference point or that viewpoint, so like it's hard to view it in their yeah. in their scope. So that's really interesting you say that. Yeah, and those those types of thoughts are you know things that help shape the person you're going to become. So it's just interesting to hear me say that. But yeah, I really did think like we should feel bad for having fun in that moment because it only led to like something scary happening. Like right. Let, let's say joking around and, and and someone's driving and they maybe you know. They didn't crash the car necessarily, but they sure. drifted in the lane a little too far. And sure, I think, sure. Oh, I'm an idiot. Oh, it's my fault. You know, it's just so. Why did I do that joke or make yeah, that laugh yeah. or whatever? And I said, I'll never be funny again. <laughs> <laughs> again, <laughs> I could, I could kill, I could kill someone. Um, yep. Uh, but th- that's just the type of like. Maybe it's just because it's me watching, but it, that stuck out to me, um, and it felt it made me feel like my childhood wasn't like so abnormal like maybe yeah the writers this episode had moments like that because that's this episode's full of those moments and Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna um, lie because you're mentioning these things and i didn't have this it's hard to really pinpoint because my memories of that time period aren't vast a few things stand out but um but even still while watching it it still stressed me out i think because it was because it was so um I wrote down that it stressed me out because it was so, um, it felt so real. Like, yeah. it means being delivered so accurately. And, like, this is the beauty of the acting of the, the way the show is shot for one and for two, the way the decisions that are being made of the actors when doing these scenes is so dead on with reality that it, like, it, I feel what the, the what's being felt in the room almost. It's interesting, man. It really stressed yeah. me. I was stressed out by it. Yeah. Well, it's it's paced like a horror movie, but instead of the tension of like a scare coming up, it's more like, oh god, is something bad going to happen with Bobby again? Like he's spending the whole episode like encroaching on these nice family moments with his. He's just being a little kid, but it, it is like he is interrupting the episode almost with like. Fucking with the record player while Don yeah. and Betty are trying to have a nice moment. I'm sure you mm-hmm. can relate um, yeah. with your wife. Sometimes mm-hmm. your kid probably interrupts a nice moment, or it's so just really well done. Thing, yeah, yeah. Um, but this also has some of the most memorable Don and Betty moments, like ever. Oh, yeah. they have they have finally found each other in a moment where they're both they've both moved on from some of the trauma of the last few months. Uh, it seems like to me. Um, mm, they yeah. haven't talked about it though, and that's why the end of the episode becomes fucking explosive because they haven't worked through it. They've just pushed it under the yes. bridge enough. Where it's they a curveball too. It's so interesting because like I forgot that they get so nice without any like defining event to show that they're giving each other another chance. But like they're in a much better place than they were last week with the Lutes dinner. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think they went to Lutes. It's mentioned in this episode too. <laughs> they love um, bringing up that place. <laughs> I know there's sponsorship, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. But but 
they're in a much better place. So if, if Don had mentioned maybe taking her out to dinner this week, maybe they could have actually had a nice time and uh, mm, good point. Like, good ditch point. the kids. But at the same, so it is interesting that um, Don is so horny in this episode and he's all revved up. I really feel like he thought the affair with um, the dalliance with Bobby was over. Yeah. If, if you notice his body language and how he's acting when she shows up at his office, it's not just the fact that like she's showing up at his workplace. It's also kind of like, what are you doing here? Like, <laughs> yeah, he just so he, he you know it's he never really enjoyed her that way. He really no. never did. It's a fight. It's a power yeah. and like. She's a powerful opponent, man. She's very strong. Like, yeah, and, she and has dangerous. That, that age to her, you know, that experience that you yeah. can see it. Like the way she plays the game is very experienced, older lady style. And I, I don't yeah. know, if Don's even used to something like that. He's but. not. He's used to having all the power in these relationships. Like, mm-hmm. this is dangerous, man. Like she's showing up at his work, and um, I love that Joan for maybe <laughs> the first time in the series, she's flapped by this, like. She she buzzes Don and says, "Mr. Draper, I have Bobby Barrett at your desk right now." <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and when when she hears the the door locking, she knows, like she yeah, knows, she's like, oh, oh my dear. god, like what the fuck? Okay. Yeah. All right, this is so weird. But yeah, um, I just remember this episode feeling like a ticking time bomb, and yeah, I think that's why I remember it. And also the stuff with the office, just. We we got to get into some of that shit because it's just so delicious. Like um, to see the office, these characters meeting the um, the when they came in on Sunday. Yeah, to see yeah. these characters being brought into work on a Sunday, so we pulled them out of their regular regular life. Yeah, man. Yeah, Pete is dressed in his Sunday best. Um, <laughs> Don Don is too. You know what I mean? Like all these characters look like themselves, but look slightly different. It's and jarring a little bit. It we really get is. to know them a little bit more by this moment. Um, yeah. That's why it's a classic episode, uh, I think. Yeah, um, for sure. Shout out to, you're going to be blown away that I'm saying this. Mm-hmm. I think you, you could probably guess what I'm about to say. I think Kinsey did a good mm-hmm. job handling Don's daughter in that moment. He did. He was he mature. He, he played it well. Um, when she said, you know, when she asked him if the picture was of his maid, he didn't get pissed he he knew he was talking to a child he didn't like use that moment to get rage filled or mm-hmm. or be like performatively angry so the rest of the office knew that he was reprimanding a kid for <laughs> just asking a question <laughs> yeah. um but she also asks a really uh, if a kid asked me that question I, I might not have handled it as well as him i'm pretty sure i would have said get the hell out of here <laughs> <laughs> but because she asks do you lay on top of your girlfriend uh and he does a great job answering that while also not being like condescending to her. He does talk to her. He talks to this kid. She says, yeah, let's man. have a conversation. And that he's was just so like cute. down. He's he's <laughs> down to talk to her. It's it's I dare say that was the most likable Kinsey moment. Uh oh. He's making his way. He's making his step, way into my heart. Step yeah. for step. <laughs> I I just it was a really cute scene. It was cute. I love by, when she uh, was like <laughs> I love when she was like, let's have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. And yeah. I just hear my daughter like when yeah. she says when she's saying these things, I'm like, uh, yeah, I know that tone. <laughs> how about how about when uh it's it's decided that she has to go to the office with him and uh she does <laughs> <laughs> So so cute. Which is another very um very knowing knowing feeling. I'm like, yep. 
something that I don't. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say something I don't want to do per se. Yeah. Not because I, not because I don't love you, but I'm gonna be at work, and it's not like we're gonna have that much fun, to be honest. Yeah. And you just want to go because you're coming with me, and it's like a new place, and you know, and you get to see. <laughs> she gets to see her hero in action, and. Yeah. That shot where Don is leading his team to his office, mm-hmm. he's like a superhero with the super friends to her. Like, it's filmed <laughs> perfectly where they look like, you know, huge and like yeah. these, this team, this heroic team. And Peggy's they in really, They really did shoot that well because the way it's they fantastic. shoot- fantastic. Yeah, man. The way they shoot Sally from like a level where like she's very low to the mm-hmm. ground- and like everything is so like magnanimous to her, like around her, and she's always like in the middle, like looking around, in the middle, looking around, like oh, mm-hmm. this is interesting, like seeing what's around. You know, she snags a drink. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool, man. That was cool. Um, very, very daddy of you. Very daddy of you, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's uh, she's turning out to be a little down. Yeah, know. a little down. <laughs> um, probably the most depressing plot of the. Uh, series that doesn't involve death and uh rejecting your family would be roger's plot in this episode which is just like not out of character but just so no no low energy jeb i would call this plot or roger is just like so weak and tired and lonely the longing to connect to a woman and feel feelings again when he's having dinner with his family and his his daughter's talking about not wanting a huge wedding and mm-hmm. and he hears his wife talk about how beautiful the wedding was for her. Mm-hmm. It's just Roger is feeling nothing in that moment. Slattery does a great job of showing that Roger he could take this moment or leave it, you know. And you know what's interesting about that that uh, that scene? I feel you on part of his emptyish feeling, but there's like a split second right before the scene changes where he almost looked sad. And it threw me off because I was like, I was when I saw his face change a little bit after he gave the blank face, I was like, wait a minute, is he hurt by? I was trying to like, cons- I was like, what is he thinking right now? Like, is he yeah. thinking, is he thinking I'm upset because my daughter doesn't want to do the wedding in 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 turn she doesn't want to like dance with me like you know during the you know like how how his wife was talking about dancing with her father and yeah. like now he's looking at his daughter and like she, he's not getting that same feel from his daughter about like wanting to embrace him and you know he's kind of Sterling's kind of been looking for he <laughs> he lost his baby girl in a way i think this is how he feels like even earlier in season 1 he kind of brings up this thing where he like he tries to make her feel younger, look younger, like, you know, or trying to, like, age her down because, like, she's growing too fast. You know, like, typical parent stuff, I would say. But this is, like, parenting toward the end, like, toward the back end of parenting, which is, like, daughter finds man, man, you know, love, and then they create yeah. a new family separate from the main family. It's a whole thing. So, again, another scene shot, in, uh, shot just really smart. And... He's get the blank face of like, I don't know what to say. And then I swear, I swear a few seconds before the camera switches, he has this, I swear it looked like he was about to, like, you know, when you have those feelings where you get hit with like big, a big feel of like sad or a big feel of, I think sad is kind of the main feeling that you would feel like, and you almost feel like you're about to 
like something may come, but like it doesn't. But you felt like this big rush of something. It almost yeah. felt like Sterling was almost in that moment. I may be reading way too much into his face, but the whole conversation, you know, when men kind of just sit there and listen, there's a lot going on in that thought, I think, especially well, when I, they're not like answering it a lot. Yeah, I, I think that what I was thinking of when you described that feeling is like the feeling of existential dread that sometimes yes. comes over me when I'm in the yes. middle of like a normal day to day experience talking mm-hmm. to someone or um i think he probably was feeling that um mm-hmm. but with roger he is very fixated on his role in the universe and how how small he is and i can empathize yeah. with that mm-hmm. and season one after he had had his heart attack you know he said i wish i was going somewhere um mm, good point and he's not happy with how his life turned out i think yeah and this this conversation just further cements that idea in my opinion um, yeah, he misses the rush, he says. <laughs> yeah, he, he. I mean, that plot resolves at the end of the episode with th- him talking to Don about getting a new client. Mm-hmm. Old business is just old business. Yep. His marriage is just old business. And mm-hmm. don't you miss the chase? Like, in that moment, <laughs> Roger is pathetic. Like, he's so... I really was disappointed with Roger with this plot. Like, I love him, but this is a weak moment for him where he's... Paying um, a sex worker extra to kiss him, to yeah. go out to dinner with him, like this is all in the name of sadness and, and emptiness. Hundred yeah. percent, yeah. So I, and, I um, give him some leeway for doing what he's doing because when you are when you're in that empty space, you're just reaching out for something that sparks it, something that can move you. Because when you're in when you're in a space where like you don't feel moved, it's hard to feel you know what i mean to really feel like what's happening in life situationally and that empty feel <laughs> the way he solves is with money and like trying to you know pull people in and you know he does it with vicky and paying even, someone that's not even to, a real name <laughs> probably well the thing is i think that those are reasons for him doing what he does in this episode but they're not a good excuse for no. it because he has a wife he's known for However many years, what is it? Thirty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He can he can talk to his wife. You know, he just doesn't mm-hmm. want to. He's a he just wants things to be easy. He wants things to be new and fresh. And yep. uh, mm-hmm. I I just again I I can totally empathize with him as a human because um, mm-hmm. that's how great the writing is on this show. But Absolutely. it's a it's just a depressing thing to see, man. To have to pay someone to be not just a, a sexual partner, but um, to like be your friend for the night almost. Like, that's why I use the word companionship. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I don't remember which show this is from, but they've, they had a sex worker on a scripted show like this. And she said, you know, the number one thing, I think it's actually community, mm-hmm. uh, the comedy. Um, and she said the number one thing that men pay her for is to uh, talk about their problems, to just mm-hmm. talk, you know, mm-hmm. most of the hour is spent just like complaining about their life and, and, venting to them so yep. that's that's kind of what this shows is that he really is lonely not just on a like i need a girlfriend show bad level but uh on a deeper level and uh he's trying to convince himself of what he's telling don at the end about the, the clients which is not really about the clients because that's how Mad Men is mm-hmm. um it is about the clients but it's also about the whole episode yeah, yeah it's a lot of double speak <laughs> yeah um 
Yeah, man. But I, I did want to give Roger the simp of the day award. Ooh. Yeah, he definitely <laughs> simped out. I, I'll give you that, bro. He definitely did simp out. That's, and I think that's, that's, that's the well first said. time anyone other than um, Kinsey has won that award. <laughs> <laughs> Usually he wins every week, but... Uh, oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. How dare you? <laughs> uh, uh, he's he's like, oh, is the missus coming? You know, he's just so pathetic, right? From, he, before he even knows she's a, a professional, he's like, is his missus coming? Oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, it's not it's not her? Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. All right. Keep up the good work, guys. And he's just like, even in that scene when he's talking to his young account bucks, mm-hmm. he's just so tired. And He does seem a little bit off. He's off, man. Um, I, I think that also the... I don't. I forgot her name, but I think she's wrong. I think people have died having sex. Yo, she totally threw that line at him, and I was like, I don't, when she said that, I was like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she would be the same person in 2020 and beyond. Who's like, don't worry, nobody gets COVID in a movie theater. <laughs> don't worry. She would say, don't worry, you can't get COVID from doing this <laughs> while they're kissing and. <laughs> Only, only COVID while they're making out. Yeah, you can't get COVID from doing this. Oh, thank God. Because I have a bad heart, you know. You got to worry about stuff like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you can't get it from doing this. Uh, I mean, go. to put it into modern times, she would be the one saying, nobody dies from smoking. You mean uh, in the 60s? Yeah, yeah. You know, people are speaking of that. When was the camp? That's a whole side. That's a whole sidebar. But it's like, when did they start the whole... Hey, these actually aren't good for you, and like people took it seriously. took it seriously. <laughs> yeah. um, that happens in the background of Mad Men. We'll talk about it when it happens, but okay. it's it's in one of the future seasons because okay, you know it's the the story of Mad Men begins with that being an article in Reader's Digest, but it's yeah. it's like a rumor. Yeah, um, it's not credible enough back then. Yeah, or at least it's it's more gossip because mm-hmm. uh, everyone talks about it in the pilot. But it is funny that that's the first series of events that gets the show moving, is that article. Um, Brilliant, by the way. Uh, Oh, yeah. Bravo, Weiner. (laughs) Bravo, indeed. (laughs) um, But in terms of my Sterling's gold for the episode, I think it might be uh, the pegster. uh, Oh. When when the priest is saying he'd like to meet that woman's son, uh, when Peggy said, (laughs) "It's, it's a cemetery. That's they all pause for a beat to let the audience laugh at that. Um, it's so dark. Maybe it shows how fucked up I am, but I laughed so hard at that. Uh, it's good timing. It's good timing. How about those those women were thirsty for the priest, man. Man, I, all it's over like his ass. Subconscious, <laughs> but like it's basically like they're they're fiending for that priest. You know, yeah, he's a good looking dude. He's a good looking dude, but like he is. They were not. They were not subtle about it. They were not subtle. Also, I'm confused. Can't prince? Can't priests not have relations or something? Right. What's their What's their line? That's probably know. why the That's probably why the ladies like him so much, man. They want what they can't have. Man. Exactly. <laughs> I sound like a fucking freak. <laughs> no, that's. I mean, I mean, there's there's some truth to that, man. There's some truth to it. it and it, also, it, there's he's a good looking guy. He's he's religious. He he's got uh, purity and he's pious. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's they enjoy just, that. There's there's so many reasons why you would want a good looking guy like that. Uh, my Sterling's goat for this for this episode is uh, 
two pieces. <laughs> I love the uh, I love the gum scene. <laughs> that scene was hilarious. Oh man, that was funny. Yeah. How how can it be my gum? My gum's in my mouth. My gum's in my mouth. <laughs> that was good. You there chewing your cud. <laughs> Cooper steps in someone's gum and oh, freaks man. the fuck out, takes his sock off. Um, now, I had never noticed this until this watch, because I've watched this episode multiple times. It's one of my favorite mm. episodes of the show. Yeah. Um, spoiler. Um, <laughs> so, I didn't realize that Duck seemed to have planned that with that girl. Because he uh, says, what do you mean? well, he says to her, thanks for getting him out of the office. Um, oh. Oh. He says, thanks for getting him out of the office. And she's smiling as soon as Cooper's like out of view. And she smiles and talks to Duck about it. Thanks for getting him out of the office. He won't remember you fired him um, on Friday or whatever. Yeah. Um, Because they're they're meeting on a Sunday, but the pitch is on Good Friday. Yes. Um, Yes. So, they have time. It's not like they're... Uh, pitching that same day, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They're just prepping for stuff. They're like just stuff. prepping, but yeah. I still think it could have waited until Monday, but that's just me. You're, he- you're, a, healthy, you're a healthy man, that's why. I try to have a healthy work-life <laughs> balance, but I guess Sterling Cooper doesn't run on that. No, um, absolutely not, yet. not. That's a great catch, though, by the way, because I actually... It, I, I could be misreading it, but I feel like he... It's intentional, and that's why she had the line ready about how could it be my gum, my gum's in my mouth. Um... <laughs> And By the way, waited to waited to say that went after he left because you know you don't speak to the the guy like that. You don't yeah say, after he turned around. Yeah. But she, <laughs> I think she's saying it so he can hear her a, a bit and like he hears that she's like crying and being consoled by a duck or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But why would they want Cooper to not be there for the brainstorming? Is it just like for nerves? Or it's just so weird. It's not like even it's not like even Cooper would. Imp- put that type of input onto the creative i i don't know maybe it was like a duck thing and duck doesn't want him there for what it, so well, he can play like boss man or some shit i think that could be it because duck's a fucking idiot um <laughs> we'll get into He's the a duck bit watch of a tool. the duck the watch duck this watch. dude the duck hunt in this episode uh <laughs> we're gonna call this segment duck hunt where we just snipe duck for a bit oh um, yeah i like that how like about that. this man the, I, I didn't remember that it played out quite like this, where now the client that they got rid of a loyal client for, you know, it didn't work out. And it, mm-hmm. it it failed spectacularly where they were made fools of, you know, standing there, hopefully yeah. like puppies in the window. Beautiful um, shot, by the way. Beautiful. beautiful. And one of the best shots of the series, dude. It's, yep. we had Gorgeous. A, we had a Mad Men calendar at my mom's house and mm-hmm. that's that's on there and it's just fantastic. It's a perfect yeah. shot. Um yep. And it's just so fucking ridiculous how how Duck talks to people. Um, he knows Don is good at his work, but he's still very condescending and dismissive yeah. of what he does. He says, and Don, yeah. you do what you do. And yeah. maybe you could give us a little peek. And, um, you know, great work, Don. Like, he's he's just... It's a lot of boss talk bullshit. Like, he's like... In a, it's like from a playbook, like... You know, I'm up here, so you know, you do your little thing, and yeah, uh, you know, great job, pat on the back, you know, type of yeah. shit. And he just when when Don gives him the planner that he had made for Shell Keneally or whatever he, whatever the name is, that mm-hmm. was such an incredible diss by Don. You know, <laughs> here you should have this. Um, yeah, and he's just he shows favoritism to the accounts. He does, and he does. He doesn't. He doesn't collaborate with everyone in the office 
You, did you notice he patted Pete on the back or something like yeah. that as he was leaving or something? Oh. Like he touched him or something? It was- he patted him on the back. He he thinks of Pete as like his surrogate son. He does. No, and he, <laughs> yeah, he offers know. Pete actual like unconditional friendship and, and love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Don makes Pete work for this shit. Yeah, man. Uh, as you should. Uh, yeah. I mean, Don has unconditional love, but he doesn't like... So great. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Duck comes to Pete the day after his dad died. It may have been more than a day, but right after sure. his dad died and says, hey, I want you to come to this meeting and use your dad's death to get a client. You know? Right, right. Like, what and then he says, I respect you and I love you. Like, <laughs> whereas Don, <laughs> Don gives him genuine advice. He's gruff, but he, he tells him, take some time for your family. There's work and then there's family and mm-hmm. wants him to separate you know, his it's, family from his work. Yeah. And it's just, there's, they're two separate worlds. One is like outwardly saying, I love you, but then also like really hurting you. And then the it's other the one actions. is, yeah, it's actions versus words. Thank you. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Duck has, is always trying to like big up Pete. He's like, Pete's going to sit next to Shell Keneally. You know, Pete's going to be the big guy for this. It, he and, did say that shit. He, yeah. he, yo, he did. He's going to sit next to. Yeah, yo. That's, <laughs> so that's the thing that I'm noticing about Duck is he doesn't collaborate. And the conflict in episode one of this season was about you need to start being in line with what I'm doing. That's what Duck was telling Don. And Don's like, right. no. Um, yeah, it's, it's Again, so fast. He's the new guy, too. It's like, right. You can't, you can't come in like I. This was my ship in, in a way, in a way, in a way. Obviously, Sterling and Cooper are like above him, but like my whole thing was rocking. I was running it. By the way, we had an airline. <laughs> we had one. He's supposed to bring in new business, not lose old business. <laughs> Such a great line. That was so whip. satisfying. Yeah, um, nice whip. Take that, duck. Um, <laughs> you just got hunted. Uh, you just got hunted. <laughs> <laughs> but. I, I was just very unhappy um, to be reminded that Duck doesn't learn anything from this. Like, no. That's the thing. We, You and I were on the same page. I loved how mad we got that they were ditching their client that they had been, you know, with for years and had no reason to be ditched. They were they were literally in the conversation. Yeah, and man. It's, it's just, just sharkish. The thing about Duck that's hilarious is that he is so, like, ridiculously risk he 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 loves the risk in business and in mm-hmm. financials, but mm-hmm. creatively, no backbone. He he doesn't want to take a oh. risk. He says, yeah. show them all three ideas. Don immediately walks out of there, says, We're gonna do one idea. That's that's <laughs> because they don't want to see it's it's so it's so it comes across very like I don't wanna say desperate, but it's like you're trying to please everybody. You're trying so hard to yes. make sure you don't yes. you don't swing for the fences. Um, I have the yes, no, and maybe already yeah. ready for you. So if you go this way, I got you here. If you go that way, then yeah. I got you here. Like okay, we we can't afford that. Maybe you might say no to our idea that we put our heart and soul into. So let's do three ideas, two of which we're not crazy about, and the other one just got compromised because we were working on these other two stupid ideas we weren't didn't care about. Um, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, good insight on that too. I mean, that's the creative process. And that's the account's dilemma is that he's like, we want to make sure we get this account. Um, but Don's saying, we want to make sure we put our best creative on this, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not a way a way forward 
in terms of like the best quality creative, you're just compromising out of the gate. So, um, you had mentioned that you had another Sterling's gold. <laughs> yeah, I liked the little double entendre Vicky had at the table <laughs> when she was like, when Sterling comes over, she goes, "Yeah, we're just we're just discussing the male head," and then oh, just pauses for a beat. And I was she's like, "Funny." I was like, "Brilliant, brilliant!" Everyone, <laughs> she's everyone got exactly what she was saying too, because everyone was head. like, <laughs> Pete, "Pete probably didn't get it. He probably talked yeah. to Trudy about it later." Um, when he, when she said head, <laughs> the male head, I'm confused. Uh, by the way, she was a lady of the night, Trudy. Oh, very good. Uh, I I did have another Sterling's gold. It wasn't from her, but mm-hmm. she. I'll say one line of hers that I really liked, which was. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Roger said he hadn't done this since the Navy, um, she asked, been with a woman <laughs> or been with a girl, <laughs> which zinger right there. Cow, man. That she, was awesome. she was very sharp. You know, Sterling. So cool. Yeah, Sterling. Sterling knew when she started dishing out these fake details about being the the uh, the wife of this uh, this uh, I, this company guy. I can't remember the company or the guy. I believe name, it was but... called Baldy's Emporium of Gifts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody really thinking up there. You're rubbing yeah. his head. <laughs> what if he had been like severely sensitive about his bald head, and she's like, "Get off me!" <laughs> <laughs> he screams at her. <laughs> <laughs> Just. He runs out of there, and then Roger sits next to her. Hey, you know what? We should have written for this episode because that that cuts that plot down in half in terms of the runtime. Absolutely. Now we can. Make, <laughs> and then Roger says to the guys, "Well, this dinner's over. You can get out of here." Uh, yeah, because okay. Sterling would be like very bold about, "Okay, you guys are done. I'm tagging." Yeah. Then the, the guy would say, "I'll come back tomorrow. I just that really hurt my feelings." Oh, it's okay, man. <laughs> she really burned me. It's okay, Baldy. It's okay. So. <laughs> Um, but my second, um, this is a great like part two to one of the best running gags of this podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. so Roger, uh, sorry, not Roger. I'm still thinking about Raj. Um, (laughs) Don, when Bobby Barrett comes to his office, he says, I don't know about where you're from, but here we have a nifty (laughs) gadget called a planner or a, you know, a schedule, something like that. But I just, I like a nifty device. (laughs) And it made me think about the magic machine a little bit. And he always, Don's always (laughs) delivering those, those fucking lines. He's little nifty device here, magic machine here. You know, he's a, he's hilarious. He's, and, um, my last thought about this episode is that this episode cements why for all his fucking around and how annoying he gets. Mm -hmm. I love Don. I think that overall, he he he's has a, a kind guy, heart. Man. Yeah, he's, he has yeah. he has a kind heart, and uh, we'll get into why. But I really love this dude. Like, mm-hmm. I I'm almost I cried both times I watched this episode this week. I'll just yeah. be honest with you. I cried. Yeah. Man. I, I felt I felt uh, I felt uh, I felt the emotions toward the toward the back end of this episode as well. Yeah, um, I'm, I would give it four point five Manhattan's out of five. Um, yeah, I, I called it one of my favorites, but I don't know that it's. It's so close to being a five. I know, so I know. Close, but yeah, I can't I, do I'm it. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just beautiful, and it's probably up there in my favorite episodes, regardless. Um, and I just the cinematography, the emotions, the plot, yeah. the way it moves mm-hmm. the plot forward for the season, um, yeah. the acting by Peg and Pete, and well, not Pete. He's he's nothing in this episode. <laughs> Peg and Don and Raj. I mean, yeah. What a fun up. What? How did you feel about it? Yeah, I'm. I'm with you with the 4.5. It's kind of messed up because um, 
I think it has pretty much all the pieces that yeah. I would throw a five to, but for some reason, that's I don't how know that's why is. I get frustrated. But I, I I can't give it a five. I think it's yeah. that it doesn't have the propulsive energy of a five out of five Mad Men. Yeah, um, there's something about a a classic Mad Men episode where you're like just totally immersed. And yeah, and there's I a think, grin. Yeah, there's a grin. There's sadness. There's mm-hmm. tense tension. This yeah. is beautiful, but it's beautiful in the way a painting is. Um, it's not like immersive and like heart poundingly like fuck yeah yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean that those heart poundingly great episodes aren't still subtle and beautiful like a painting. That's why sure. they're fives because they cover everything. So right, exactly. This this is just another flavor of Mad Men. But I'm I'm glad we're on the same page because we've had a few. Uh, differences of opinion mm-hmm. lately. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's. I think that when a season starts, it can sometimes um, need time to get its bearings. For me, and I think this season, though the way it started was pretty strong comparatively, for especially especially against season one. Yeah, um, like leaps and bounds over that. But to get moving, there is there is there is that momentum that needs to to come. You know what I mean as as you yeah. as you're going through. And so, I've kind of been riding that out. And um, I mean, I've been I've, I've been loving everything that they've done. Um, there's just been different slice, different types of episodes that we've been getting throughout the season. They're not yeah. um, they're not so like uniform. Like every episode is, has a similar tone. Like we're getting different. We're getting different punches, you know what I mean? Which which I like yeah. though. It it gives the it gives the um the variation and the and the skillfulness to give you different punches for different episodes. Like you're not leaning on one type of episode throughout the show. So yeah, I like that. I like it too, man. I I honestly I don't know if you've ever noticed this when you watch full seasons of TV shows, but it really seems like it's like episodes two and three that are the hardest to yeah get right. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's just like. You can have a strong premiere and then sometimes you get a little stumbly um, mm-hmm. after that. And then like there's usually some sort of um, moment in either episode two or three where the plot gets moving and yeah. it's more fun to watch. But sometimes yeah. sometimes those episodes feel like homework. And mm-hmm. I do think that there was a, a little bit of um, a stumble with that last episode we watched, episode sure. three. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it was really this, – this felt more like a – it had the Mad Men seal of what this intangible thing that makes it a Mad Men episode. Yeah, um, yeah, and makes it makes it top dollar. Um, so I I really love the episode though. I uh, yeah. I enjoyed watching it both times. Um, it was great. You you know before we jump off, I do want to um, I want to give some grace to a character that we jumped on. Mm. <laughs> yes, last episode I think it was if I'm not mistaken. Mm, which was okay. um uh Peggy's Peggy's sister. Mm. This episode you really can see inside of the frustration, the bitterness and the uh anguish that the character feels and why she says and does the things that she was doing throughout season uh throughout this this uh this the second season. Um I mean she kind of spills it all to the um to the uh, priest. And it, it, you really I felt for her because it's a very understandable angle to have. You're the older sister, you know, 
you have to present yourself a certain way. You support the family a certain way because you're the oldest of the of the kids, or not the oldest of the kids, but just being the older of the two between uh, Peggy, or excuse me, between uh, Peggy and herself. You know, Peggy gets a lot of favoritism, just straight up from the mom. Like the mom has words to say, but she just you know. She, She's the baby, and she just gives, keeps giving her chances, keeps giving her chances, which is, well, you know, what a parent can do for their children. But to bypass your oldest daughter and her feelings and what her life entails and put that aside to cater to, you know, to Peggy, I think is unfair. And well, um, yeah. I got news for you, man. What's that? You, you have just stepped into my mental health nook in pied de terre. Because that's what, I wanted, that's what I wanted to talk about. Uh, Sorry about that, buddy. No, it's okay because it's like Nightmare on Elm Street uh, where she's stepping on the steps and they turn into – what's that called? That sand that like oh, pulls you sand. under? Oh, quicksand. The steps sort of drag her down. That's you coming into my segment. So, yeah, I actually agree with you in that I do find myself cringing at some of the stuff Anita says. Mm-hmm. But – she is a human being who has valid emotions and valid feelings, and I totally see where she's coming from because Peggy, she she fucked up. We don't know how much Peggy fucked up in their life either. And mm-hmm. like you said, mom gives her some uh, the occasional tough talk or even just like more sharp talk, not tough, right. but just like the words sting a bit, but they move on fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and Peggy gets independence and moves on with her life. She does whatever she wants to to the to someone who's married and has children and has mm-hmm. a husband that she has to please too. Yeah. Uh, please I mean please like in the 60s way where you you keep you keep the house looking nice and right. all the misogynistic stuff, you know, that from yeah. the 60s that could be perceived as misogynistic. Yeah. Um but to then see Peggy after doing what Peggy what happened to Peggy yeah. In her opinion, she probably thinks Peggy did that. We obviously know that it's a multifaceted thing. It's not like Peggy, it's her fault that she got pregnant. It's, sure, it's, sure. It takes two mm-hmm. people to have yeah, a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. But in a Catholic family, you don't think they're going to be more balanced about it. She she said she seduced a man who was married, and uh, that's not a fair representation of that. Uh, that's a good he, point. That's a good he point. showed up at her house and... He wasn't married yet, so you know, fair dinkum. Mm, good point. <laughs> uh, Logistics. Okay. They did have sex on the couch, but I doubt she told her mama and her sis about that one. Yes, uh, maybe exactly. she did. This is cool. I'm gonna tell my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, uh, but yeah, I have, I have so much sympathy for her sister. That's that's my point. Is that yeah, she may be sort of annoying that she like tattles on peggy to the priest in a confession box and you know she's not just confessing but also of course jealous of the attention yes because she yes. wants that priest baby yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing and uh i mean that's what they want man <laughs> they want the priest whether it's just spiritually or secularly they want him um yep and um it's it's still the emotions she's feeling are true and uh I think it's implied that Peggy and her, this is a theme that carried on through their childhood because the younger kid can get away with stuff that the older kid couldn't because the yeah. parents, their standards loosen up. Um, 
and they chill out a bit because they see all the mischief the first kid got even when they were super strict. Mm-hmm. So, they're like, okay, okay, it's going to be fine. Um, <laughs> who knows, man? Peggy may have been a wildcat. I mean, she seems like she would be given kind of her style. Um, but then she's to... also repressed by the Catholic yeah. faith. so yeah. Which would make her more wild in a way. Right. It does that to a lot of people. It does. But then it's like she tries to go back on the good path. Like when you see Peggy in this season one, episode one of Mad Men, she's like so like she's so straight laced and so innocent looking. But oh, yeah, this may be after some other stuff went down that her sister criticizes her for and is bitching about to her mom. You know, it's just the implied history is so interesting and we don't need to know what happened. But we know that there's history with these two sisters that is complicated and yeah. it's led to resentment from one of them. And yeah. they don't talk about it with each other. It's uh, kept under wraps, hush, hush. Mm-hmm. And that's just sort of the, the way things were done by certain families. And in the 60s especially, I think it, it happened even more. So Yeah, for sure. So that's my um, my big mental health thing is just uh, – it's, it's just really – Cool to see a show tackle sibling rivalry in this more realistic way. Yeah. Um, even if it's not pleasant to watch. it's. Uh, I think it's better that way, honestly. Yeah, because it, it feels true, man. As, yeah. a, as someone who has two siblings and one half sibby, um, feels very true. And uh, I love my sibs, but yeah. we, had, we had issues every now and then. Of course, um, like all siblings do. I have a sister oh yeah. as well. <laughs> a oh sister. yeah. Well, let's talk about it, man. Let's dish. Let's, let's dish, dish about our siblings. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. I would never uh, put out anything about a sibling. Yeah, man. It's 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 it comes with the territory. Honestly, it just sure. I think seeing their dynamic also sheds more light on who Peggy is and kind of who she, how she fits into not only her family structure but the actions and things that she decides to do while she's you know living in the city and and working and and kind of like becoming this new you know a person like that would be kind of like the re- the, the the rebellion one that would make it to this point you know what i mean kind of break yeah. past these barriers whether that be intentional or unintentional she has she she has it and she's she's kind of working with it so yeah for sure man yeah i think um being that Peggy's sister um, is dishing out to the priest, obviously intentionally, toward the end of the episode, I think, yeah, which I believe was toward the end of the episode, uh, towards the end of the episode, it's something that at the end of the scene when <laughs> the priest gives uh, Peggy the blue uh, egg, because uh, I guess it's a, it's becoming Easter, which by by the way was a reference to like. Her having a boy, did you kind of catch that color? Yeah, yeah. For the cute. little one, yeah. <laughs> for the little one, blue egg. Yeah. By the way, that's so stupid because it's like he's just—it's. I don't think he's like passing judgment, but it's just super awkward, and he doesn't even know if she sees the kid. So it's like a huge presumption on his part. Mm-hmm. Um, also, a kind of like an an un like not unintentional. I think he was in, it was in, he was intentional when he did it. A nod to the fact that he knows. Some information. Obviously, he doesn't say that, but you can only you can only um, infer that that line and the egg and the whole thing like was a tip to tip of the hat to saying, "I know that type of thing." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I did hear about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. 
Now I was waiting for I was waiting for a shot of Peggy glancing at her sister in anger, but we didn't get that. But yeah, <laughs> but that would have been hilarious. Peggy has bigger worries than that. She's like, ah, eh, someone in my family talked. It's sure. It's probably she's probably used to her mom and her sister being a bit talky about her yeah. life. That's um, a good point. Not in a fun way, because she does say to her mom earlier in the season, like, you know, I, I I don't talk to people about that stuff like you do. Or I, I don't care. Oh, good point. I don't care about whether people know I'm at church or not like you do. Like, right. So, she she knows that her mom talks about her. Yeah. And her sister yeah, probably sure. does, too. Which is typical. <laughs> but, yeah, um, as far as for your mental health nook in uh, pied de terre that was your main that was your main uh your main um topic of discussion yeah um the stuff with don and betty is just so sad and it's it's multifaceted um i do think that this shows them at their very happiest moments as a couple um like ever yeah yeah uh, just hanging out on a sunday not wanting to do a stupid get together with people they don't really care about so um they just like <laughs> get to chill out and have a nice day as a family for the most part, aside from Bobby breaking the bed. And, um, sure. And these are little dots that are happening between the, um, some of the blissfulness that they're having at the intro right. of this episode. So, and that's why it's so realistic. Cause it's like, it didn't like ruin the day, but it is a recurring thing that's happening that Betty's getting more and more frustrated about with Don, yeah. that he's yeah. not doing something about it. But yeah, no, I, I really later. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I don't need to bring it up too much for my relationship nook. But like, mm-hmm. it's just really heartwarming to see Don and Betty getting along again and talking about high school Betty and uh, dancing to a song and Don putting <laughs> his hand on Betty's butt. You know, mm-hmm. like, I like, just that. I like mom that. and dad stuff, like mm-hmm. when mom and dad are happy and um, you know, getting along. It's like if, if the kids saw that, they would cringe and... Maybe they're too young to cringe when their parents are kissing and stuff, but um, <laughs> it's the grossest thing ever when you're a kid and you see your parents like kissing and ugh, which uh, is so weird. It's a, that is a weird. It's like a primal thing that, yes. like, in your brain, you go, ugh. <laughs> you can't control it, but you go, this is, ugh. I'm having a horrible reaction to this. Kids are so weird, but yes, it's, it's exactly true. It's exactly true. Well, man, you know. After your relationship nook and pied terre, I think it's time for a little dad break. D A D B R E A K. D A D B R E A K. That's beautiful. That's that's an amazing song. If we could get Faith No More to play that song, that'd be fucking badass. We gotta hit him up, man. We gotta hit him up. Make sure that's uh, that's that's locked down. Yo, Patton, Mike Patton. Hey, how you doing? What's it? No, I said, no, you should say what's up, not what's it. What's it? What's it? What is it? Okay. It's November, man. I've been hearing some new music out here in the streets. <laughs> no shave November, that's right. Yeah, yeah. no shame November. hearing some new music. <laughs> no shame November? Is that what you said? <laughs> no shame November, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. We're out here, buddy. I, this, this, uh, this group, Dermot, man. Got, got a new single out here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I heard about them. Yeah. I got a, I got a sneak tip musically. I, I found I found, I found, found the files. Okay. I may have stole them off the internet. Off the internets. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> LimeWire? Yeah, LimeWire. Yep. Very Still good. Still getting viruses as we speak. <laughs> Jesus Christ, LimeWire. God damn. <laughs> uh, the lime burned. It burned your eyes and it destroyed your hard drive. Let's be honest. Have you, do you, have you had do you ever your uh, LimeWire or um, Napster experience with the fucking your computer up? Um, I think I was like just fucking my computer up with like so much other shit too that like I couldn't pinpoint it to one thing like like you know and on the old cable internet you, you would use Google and search full anime episodes full Ooh, Dragon Ball okay. Z episodes and 99% of the websites that you could find on a search engine were just ad delivery services that were littered spyware covered ads and so unfortunately I can't blame it on the um it's funny, the ITPNT this week, we do talk about um, Kazaa. Uh, oh, yes, I, thank I, you, Kazaa, yes. <laughs> I yes. mentioned I mentioned you could download sound clips back then, too, and it's like oh, the yes. most annoying sound in the world. Um, <laughs> thank you for bringing up Kazaa. I love Kazaa. I mean, I did love Kazaa. My, my whole thing was, I think I, I went from Napster, this thing called Morpheus, little bit of Bear Share, LimeWire, Kazaa. Think there I were so many of those, yeah. Pretty sure um, I did on that. The, the best was Napster, I think, um, when it was yeah. first starting out. It just was like, yeah. there was nothing else like it. Um, yeah, I have but, to agree. But ultimately, um, I, I if my music ends up on uh, a file sharing service, it will be because I put it there. Um, <laughs> and I actually did give my friend who was on... Uh, it wasn't like the Pirate Bay, but it was like a private music sharing torrent tracker. Um, was it like Mega what, Upload or something? It was like what.cd, I think is what it was called. Okay. Um, it was huge, man, before it got shut down. Um, yeah. And it was a great source for like uh, out-of-print records and, and yeah. like rare records. Like So, it was historical preservation too. That's yeah. sort of the type of thing that I – when we talk about piracy in our show and, mm-hmm. and in my other show, I really – am a fan of piracy in terms of making sure that like the original star Wars movies are preserved Um, or the original episode that was banned off of a TV season is preserved or um, I don't like the idea of Disney having all the power that uh, over the stuff that their artists create Um, because there are talented people who work for these mega corporations that they, they do fuck over these people by tweaking their stuff or removing stuff or, mm-hmm. you, you know, so I, I'm a big fan of piracy in that way. I, that may be like a risky thing to say, but like. I'm um, with you on that, though. I'm with you on that. Because honestly, yeah. I have so much music on well, so much. I have I have a select couple of um, songs in my library that are like unreleased songs or unreleased versions of songs that never made the full album that people are discovering now. And I laugh because I have the actual song file for it. Like an example would be um, Dr. Dre came out with this um, album uh, called 2001. It was like the Chronic 2001. Sure. And he has like three or four versions of a song called like Explosive and three or four versions of a couple other songs that are on that album. And I have different versions of that song. So like modern day now people are like, yo, did you know Jay-Z wrote? Still DRE? It's like, yeah, 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 I have the like the reference, the reference track for that. <laughs> like, yeah. You're like, I've been knowing this, you know. Yes, yes. Did you know uh, that 
the original Renegade song with Eminem and Jay Z was originally with Royce the Five Nine and Jay Z. Or Royce the Five Nine and Eminem is like, yep, I have the original song. Yeah. So much of modern <laughs> internet like journalism is mm-hmm. some hack writer like doing a little bit of research into stuff from when you and I were on the internet and like. Right. Oh, I'll just repurpose. I'll repost this. This will be like a bump, you know, or yeah. a reblog. But nobody will know because they're all all the people who use the site are either uh, boomers or zoomers or or it's like those people on YouTube who like their whole YouTube channel is posting stuff from forums. Like oh right, posting news that's posted on a forum first, and then they post it on their YouTube channel and get way more attention, and they make money off of it. And yeah, yeah. Because nobody likes using forums. Um, yeah, but that's, that's often where the most hardcore fans are lurking. Uh, that's true. Anyway. I like the word lurk. <laughs> lurk is a good word. Yeah, it is a very good word. But anyway, no, Dur- Dermot, man. You're coming out this You're coming out this year, but not only this year, this month. That's right. And it's pretty you exciting. Hit, you hit people with uh, the first single, Took My Breath Away. That's right. You know, I love it. Not even saying that on some like fake shit. Like, not even fake. Like, you can be nice up to somebody. Like, yeah, I like your music, but the the shit is good. The shit is I mean, good as an understatement. The shit, especially especially that 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 song. I, I don't know what it is. That shit's sticky as shit, man. Oh, thank you. It's, it's sticky as hell, and it gets stuck in my head, <laughs> which, which is a huge huge prop because I don't. Listen, there's not a lot of songs that I get stuck in my head usually, wow. um, but that shit is sticky. The album is great. Thank you. That's that's awesome to hear because that's the funny thing about this album and hearing this. People would go, "Oh, this isn't make me. This doesn't make me like want to listen to it." But I I literally like was just stuck with where I could go with my music. I had a whole LP of great like my best songs ever um, mm-hmm. that was pretty much written. But I was like, mm-hmm. it's not time for that to come out yet. And I didn't know why. And mm-hmm. what I did was I went through all my material and I like wrote down or moved into a playlist songs where I'm like, I all I thought about was, do I love this? Yes. And I, I had just like, I think it was like 10 or 11 of those songs where I'm just like, I didn't think about commercial reception. I didn't think about anything except for do I love this? And not only that, but do I love it right now? Like, does it feel mm. like it, it talks about my life right now? Right. And eight, I think eight out of those 11 songs, I think that's just the track list of this record. I don't think we ever changed it from that goal of just like yeah. recording the stuff that was in my, like, these are, these are songs that were in my, these aren't going to come out folder. Like, mm. which is insane because I listen to it and I'm like, these songs are all fucking like fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I take those out the vault. It's so funny because like took my breath away as like, Oh yeah, that's my attempt as a, that's my attempt at a stoner rock song. You know, that's not coming out. Like I would always think like <laughs> decaf coffee. That's like my attempt at like a really, uh, bossa Nova meets like indie pop song. Mm-hmm. It's, it's too weird and I don't have a bridge for it. That's not coming out. Um, <laughs> And Overture is a overture of songs that have already come out um, because Drink Some Water, my plan wasn't originally to make an EP. Mm-hmm. That's that's an EP I put out in 2014. I was going to do a full length. Then I realized like I, I'm writing this like there's diverging sets of material 
like one set is like super fun, beautiful pop songs. Mm-hmm. And then the other set is like the full length LP that I brought up earlier. That's like yeah. super epic, transcendent, amazing music. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had this overture that I wrote that featured pretty much every song from the Drinks and Water EP. Hmm. And I'm like, how like that wound up in my list of songs that I love. And I'm yeah. like, I had this joke in my brain that I never told a human being, but it was, what if <laughs> I put out that EP or that instrumental and called it last time on Dermot? Um, <laughs> because it's like, it's like a recap for a TV show. Yeah. And I really think, I hope that no other artist has ever done this where it's like, since it's been eight years since I put out an album, it's like, okay, here's what happened last time. Let's catch you mm-hmm. up. These are some of the best melodies from that EP. It gets you kind of hump, uh, pumped up, not humped up, but you know, <laughs> we'll take it. I'll take whatever you get. I was uh, going to say, whatever you do with yeah. the music, whatever you do. <laughs> but um, I'm really excited about that because I don't think, and you know, of course, there's a million songs being written every second. So maybe someone's done it before, but I really sure. think that it's a, be- a special piece of music. And um, the last thing I'll mention is that it like recontextualizes my whole catalog and makes it make sense where it's like mm, the EP drink some water. This is a sequel to drink some water. And it like, mm-hmm. it, it, it makes it feel less like a random throw out there. Like that EP, mm-hmm. it makes it feel like, Oh, okay. He had this sort of plan where he was going to throw out this beautiful pop EP. And then he brings out this beautiful, but sad acoustic rock album that follows it up and make it's these two beautiful sides to the same coin and they work together um it wasn't planned that way but it and it also paves the way forward for that uh, that lp i was telling you about which is like i I get too excited when i talk about that one but (laughs) um coffee music i'm so proud of it and i'm really glad that you like it man i appreciate you bringing it up today no i enjoyed it man really enjoyed it it november 18th and um there's a lot to talk about with it but um, I do want to make a special shout out to my grandpa Dermot, who is the, obviously the reason that I have my middle name Dermot, and it's why I gave the music project the name Dermot because it's uh, in Gaelic it means free man, and it also oh, it also has like a double meaning in that he was the person who inspired me to sing, and um, the song "Turn Your Life Around" at the beginning of it, I put, and I was like, I don't know if this is like too commercializing something that's really personal i don't think it is ultimately i took i took a introduction that i made for a mix cd i made for him when he was in hospice and it's it's me saying hey grandpa i made you a mix cd of some of your favorite songs and some stuff you might not know um i i hope when you listen to it you remember how much we all love you and i put that in the intro of turn your life around because it it gets you back to like it's, it's the same as the overture where it's like, oh, this is where we left off the last time you put out a full-length album. And, right, right. And it got me back in that headspace too. And it, it really, it's apropos that song is called Turn Your Life Around because to me, this whole project is like turning my musical life around and coming back from the dead in a way. And yeah. that song does say, come out from the ground. And it's like, you no matter what you're going through, listener, like there is, there is a way to get out of it. I, I yep. truly believe that whether it's through therapy or medication or, you know, whatever you, you can do, but don't give up because I never thought I would put out music ever again in my life. 
Like I had completely just given up. And Oh, I didn't think you I didn't know that actually. Yeah, no, I had, I had completely given up and I said I'm not going to be creative anymore. I'm not going to do podcasts, I'm not going to do shit. And um somehow I just through my life experiences I just realized like life is short. Uh to grow the, to quote the great Warren Zevon, enjoy every sandwich. Um <laughs> and I'm trying to enjoy every day of my life and do the stuff that I I love and um, yeah. not worry about metrics of my own creation. Like yeah, every every dad man has to be a ten out of ten. No, I don't. I don't worry about that. I just mm-hmm. I have fun making them with my buddy Jala, and uh, yeah. I have a fun time grabbing my acoustic guitar and writing songs about whatever the hell I want to. And uh, I have a project that my dad assigned me this weekend, which is to write a The Beatles style '60s pop song. Like from the first two records where it's like oh, just cool. super cute, clever, um, beautiful chord progressions, but mm-hmm. like just simple, simple lyrics. And the, the title of the song I'm working on, which I only have the title, but I have like some ideas <laughs> in my head. It's called Let Your Hair Down and then in parentheses, if you want to. Um, cause it's, it's, I just, I, there's that old 60s idea where it's like a guy telling a girl, Oh, you look better with your hair long, but, I'm sort of playing with that and going like, you can let your hair down if that's what you want. <laughs> I'm uh, the modern, the modern yeah, take. But it's it's like it's kind of cute to be like, you know, I just wanted you to know I feel this way, but mm. it doesn't matter how I feel if it doesn't work for you or something like that. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> kicking the kicking the ground as you say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of cute. Um, mm. By the way, I just realized I lost a lyric from that because I had a lyric. And I'm like, I'm going to go to my notepad and write that down. And I just realized I lost one. So <laughs> we'll figure it. We'll figure it out. But um, it should come together. Yeah. Anyway, coming out on November 18th, which is, I think, a few days ago as of this episode's release date. So check it out. So we're on Spotify, Apple Music, um, pretty much every digital platform. And uh, if you purchase it on Bandcamp, you get like... 24-bit flack like lossless audio it's just yeah. it's even better than anything you can get on spotify or itunes so yeah, go to the band camp dermotmusicbandcamp.com but yeah that's uh coffee music yeah buddy love it can't wait to boost up those streams oh yeah <laughs> as well as contributing other you know in, in other ways aside from that man um we got to talk about don and betty as parents and their temperaments with the kids. I mean, this has kind of been coming to a head for a while now. Um, this season, especially. And, um, but I want to start with the good parts. Let's start with the good parts. Yeah. We've, we, we've mentioned, we've mentioned previously that this, this episode, my second note for this episode was, <laughs> I, I said, fucking kids always fucking up the flow. When Don and Betty are like, yeah. Right about, I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really. I'm not in I that bet. space yet. Yeah, I'm not in that space where like that that's gonna occur because um, there's still a crib involved. Nobody's learned how to climb out of that or wants to climb out of that yet. <laughs> so thank uh, God, but I mean, <laughs> things to come. I'm sure things to come. Yeah, but. Yeah, I uh, I thought that was pretty funny and frustrating, but you know that's how it be sometimes. But that was beautiful to see. They have a they have a they have a good groove um, in the in the intro of this episode. Yeah. But 
there's this underlying tone and 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 Betty has been it's been this past couple episodes, man. Yeah. She just she's on Bobby every time. Yeah. Like she just always on him. And like it's so annoying because like she never lets it up. Like first of all, Bobby is younger than Sally is. So like Sally's a goofball, but like she's going to be more behaved than the younger boy is. And he's a boy too. Like Yeah. But she doesn't give him much grace at all. Like no. has no patience, no grace with him. It's always some stern biting comment about he's he's ruining everything or he always does this. And he's not listening to me or Yeah. You know. Are you watching this? Yeah, you see what he's doing. I told him he was you was going to see your dad and uh that's all you say? Yeah. Like just a lot of it's fear. It's infuriating to watch, and um, Betty is in a very she's her her parenting style, her idea of a fatherly figure is very dated and uneducated with the information and knowledge that we have today. Maybe yeah. they didn't have that information back then, but I think I mean Don. I, I guess is kind of speaking from a. I lived it so I know it space. And um, eventually Don's pissed about, you know, he's pissed about the meeting that didn't go well or the uh, the pitch that didn't go as planned. Yep. He's aggravated about that. And then Betty's on the kid on uh, on uh, Bobby about, you know, playing with his toy at the table, which I here's the thing as a parent. I understand the frustration when the chat when the kid is not listening to what you've asked of them. Oh I get yeah, it. I get it. I have my I have my same thing. I understand it. That's fine. But to overreact, I guess, and be kind of like emotionally unstable in a way. In a yeah, way, yeah, yeah. In a way, not all the way. I'm just saying, like, you can't control your knee jerk. To be like, oh my god, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you got to pull a lot of that back. But um, I understand the frustration. But to think that the the solution to that is to sh- quote unquote straighten him out, yeah, it, it doesn't work. Man, I just wrote in capitals. This style does not work, and it takes till the end of the basically toward the end of the episode where Don has to be like, yo, all that hitting shit, like that shit doesn't work, yo. Like I got busted up and like all i wanted to do was and and dude you know and and father because of it like Mm -hmm. this is not the way like it's cool that don has the foresight to think that way because i think a lot of people kind of live in patterns rather than living through experience like through experience it should teach you okay this was what happened this is how i am this doesn't work so now i'm going to change that flow for when i come back around I do this instead of that. A lot of people, I don't think, live in that space. A lot of people just kind of, well, this that's what, what happened to me. This is what my dad did to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I'm good. So, like, and I'm fine, like, lying to themselves. And I'm fine, <laughs> so I'm going I'm, <laughs> I'm to I turned out like back. this. Yeah, look at me. I'm successful. Yeah. It's like... Don is, Don is doing an admirable thing in that he is ending the cycle of abuse. And it's a very progressive thing to... Like you said, have the foresight to say, "I am not gonna teach. I'm not gonna treat my children like this." And say what you will about Don um, and his failures as a husband and a father, but yeah, 
in, in this ways. regard, in this regard, he is uh, admirable. I really love him in this episode. Yeah, he's, and he's he's dead on. He, he he's dead on. And and um, how did you feel when the, he? Oh, oh good. How did you feel when he? How did you feel when he got home and he went upstairs and talked to Bobby and said, "Mom says you broke this. I believe her. Don't mm-hmm. do that again." Because for me, as someone who's not a father. Mm-hmm. I thought he nailed it because he he talked to him as a fellow human being. He showed him the respect of like being straight up with him. Um, and he commanded authority by looking him in the eyes and just saying, don't do that again. I believe your mom. And you'll notice Bobby doesn't lie to him. Do you know why Bobby's lying to Betty all the time? Because he's always biting at him. Because he's scared of her reaction. Yeah. He's scared and he's trying to lie to make the, the scary feelings go away. Yeah, the explosiveness of it. Yeah. She's very like, uh, you know when, what I mean? Like When you give someone no grace and no room because mm-hmm. you, you don't want them to step out of line at all, it almost like is a self-fulfilling prophecy because yes. when someone's yes. walking on a tightrope, they're going to fall over a lot more than someone who has more free, you know, free reign to walk around. Um, it's just a metaphor, man. But um, beautifully said. said. You get a real applause for that. that was thank you. Geniusly said. Geniusly said. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as as you're falling, you're doing all these silly things, and they're like, "Stop yeah. fucking around! You're gonna fall." <laughs> exactly. It's like, yeah, I know I'm gonna fall. You gave me nothing to do. Okay. Anyway. Um, beautifully said. Beautiful. Thank said. you. I just thought of that spur of the moment, and it's it's yeah. just Betty is so on him, and and I get annoyed at Bobby in this episode too, but it's also it's over the course of three Sundays, uh, and he's just a kid. Like the way Don talks about it, he's so right. He's like, he's a kid. Like what? You, <laughs> he's what gonna you, do stupid shit. Like you should expect that coming out the gate. Like, and it's not really about Bobby, which they do kind of communicate with each other, sort of, in a really dysfunctional and frankly terrifying scene where. When when Don says, "Do you want me to bring home, you know, what I went through at the office? I'll put you through that window." Yeah, and it's just very visceral and real that Betty, her response to him talking about violence is to push him. Yeah, do and, it then. Yeah, and and it's childish of her to push him, right. but he did just threaten violence. And then the shot of him pushing Betty is just—it scares the shit out of me, man. Because like, it's so it's, close to erupting into something dangerous you know yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's dangerous it's, it's dangerous it's dangerous to push people i'm not saying that that's not an act of violence it is violence yeah. by the definition of the word but it's not it hasn't reached the point of like escalation escalation where it's unforgivable violence against your partner and abuse and right um i guess pushing your partner and, and threatening violence is abuse you know what i'm trying to say it's it's not yeah but there's le- unforgivable there's, there's levels and degrees yeah it's yeah, it's ultimately they both do walk away from it um yeah can i tell you the part that made me cry oh yeah um i wrote tear next to next to my note i didn't cry but i felt just admit you cried you motherfucker (laughs) i know i know i really (laughs) (laughs) i would i would if i did and i think i did uh, i know you you i'm just kidding around um (laughs) that's how my (laughs) that's how um my dad would get mad at us when we were watching a movie and he's like are you guys crying why the fuck aren't you crying (laughs) <laughs> to give you a glimpse at my terrifying childhood. So then we got scared if we weren't crying at a movie. We were like sociopaths. He he oh made us God. feel like freaks. 
Yeah, um, I was like, why aren't you emoting? Yeah, just just let us watch the movie, Dad. Um, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> but um, one of the most amazing lines by the by the Jack Tamol duo <laughs> is um, when Bobby asks Don, you know, to talk to him, and mm-hmm. uh, he he um, Don at first tells Bobby it's not a good time, but he doesn't like say get the hell out of here. Uh, doesn't he's not grace. cold to him. He gives him grace, and the line that just makes me start weeping immediately is sometimes dads get mad. And oh, different that's line. a beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. line. Cause mm-hmm. obviously the, the more obvious emotional line is we have to get you a new daddy. Right. Um, but that, that's where like, I'm already crying at that point. Right. But right. dude, there's something beautiful about the line. Sometimes dads get mad because he's not basically saying it's not your fault. Like it's, it's he, so he sweet. Did. Yeah, he did. You know what's crazy about Don's response is he did the right, he did like the exact accurate um, description of what you're supposed to do with kids when you talk about emotions, I guess. Yeah. And apparently you're supposed to let kids know that it's okay to be mad, sad, or whatever, and that you feel those feelings. And I I haven't learned or studied about it enough to know all of the information behind that, but I think it gives the child maybe more insight to, I'm assuming more insight to the feelings in general and that um, their parents are humans as well. I don't know. I mean, this is the, it's probably kind of my thought. I think it, I think it helps the child know that it's not just their actions that cause their parents to feel feelings. Um, Yeah. yeah, It's, I think it's just like education about emotions, which I think, Maybe as you and I were growing up as kids, maybe I don't know didn't your childhood. That. Yeah. yeah but for that. me, it's like I was very much about like controlling my parents and how they felt by being a good kid. Like, mm-hmm. like if I'm good, then my mom won't uh, or my dad won't get mad at me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trying either to control things. Or, or my mom won't be sad, let's say. Right. Like, right. Right. So and that's, you know. Pretty deeply personal, obviously, to say. I think it's okay to say now as I'm an adult, but... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a ton of people. Oh, I think all kids have that feeling. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, being able to separate the emotions from, like, some sort of, like, reward that happens if you are good or... Yeah. Or some sort of dangerous thing that you'll hurt your parents if you're bad. Sometimes moms get sad. Sometimes dads get sad. Sometimes... Mm -hmm they're nervous about work and it's not your fault. Like to talk to your kids about how your day is going and why you're stressed out. It was better than just like, I think sometimes when we're kids, we don't really get a glimpse into the inner workings of our parents' lives. It's all about us. And yeah, they, they kind of separate their lives from our lives. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why this episode's so interesting because Sally gets to see, you know, a little, a lot of what Don does at his work and, um, yeah. Bobby does not, you know, there's, yeah. uh, there's a, there's still a distance between those two, but man, the talk that they had at the end of the episode, I, I just love it. And it's so organic where Bobby's just asking little kid things and it makes but he's you very intentional about it too, yeah. which I thought was cute. What do you like to eat? It's such a great question. Yeah, that was, that was cute. That, all the, all the that whole thing was very, um, adorable and Don, he just, he just has it this episode. I mean, yeah. I know he's frustrated, but but here's the thing, man. Like you, I don't want. I think, I think 
it's okay to be frustrated with the day and you know not wanting to you know and have it you 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 have feelings about it i think i think maybe some people might try to like put don in like the wrong or something because he was mad about how the day went yeah but that's not i don't think that's fair he wasn't his best self um uh, i'm not saying it makes it okay for him to throw the robot but yeah he he snapped you know in a moment of weakness and, and he uh, threw that robot based off of Betty's constant complaint constant, about him yes. not doing anything. And that was uh, a sort of blow up of uh, something that had been building up for three weeks. More yeah. than three weeks. Because it's, it's something that was building up this whole season so far. The Bobby yeah. thing. Um, so that's really interesting because most shows wouldn't do such a subtle background plot line. But mm-hmm. the Betty and Bobby thing where she tattles on him like a sibling and... and is is so we've talked about it before so um yeah but yeah it's it's very subtly done and i want to i want to say that it's one of my favorite things about season two is there's just these these subtle background plots that they they're gears there are these little Mm -hmm. gears in the Mad Men watch that just move so subtly but they're they're doing a lot of work in the background yeah if you're paying close attention, you start to see the through line of that stuff, yeah. and it's coming, and it's coming, and it's coming, and then this episode it comes to a head in that way. Yeah, we see we see the ramifications of all that friction that was building up. And and how cool is it that they do end the episode closer than before, Betty and Don, and she is holding Don, and she has just learned something about his childhood. It should have it should have come up sooner. Um, Don yeah, we talked about it. Don isn't blameless in that he could have brought that up to Betty sooner. Like when yeah. she when she first brings it up in this episode, he could have just said that doesn't work. Um cuz she yeah. says if you if you something about how if he hadn't gotten spanked, he wouldn't have turned out to be the man he was today. She assumes that about Don and he could have said right there it doesn't work. It just made yeah. me want to kill my dad. But Yeah. It's okay. Like he he's a human with his his complex baggage and yeah it's guarded I'm, I'm just saying that we want to make sure we're given a balanced portrayal of betty and don and so it's not like he's like without fault in the scenario either uh, no no and we mentioned this in the past when i think we even made the joke or we were jokingly saying like remember remember i said uh i said it'd be cool if they just like talked and he was just like <laughs> Yeah, when I was a kid, you know, and I went into this yeah. whole diatribe of like what Don should be saying to her, and like I don't know how she would take it, but he should say these things and see it and see how she reacts to it. We kind of did a little bit of a role play with it, yeah. and um, not realizing that I forgotten that they came to a head in that in that way mm-hmm. until um, I was reminded by watching this episode. But he yeah, eventually man. just tells her, you know, what what happened to him and. And she, um, you know, Don should look at the way that she reacted to that information and move forward with it positively. Will he, though? That's right. the question. <laughs> it's like, okay, you let you let a piece of information that you were guarding because you were scared to let it out and you didn't know how your partner would react to it, right? Yep. Then you finally let it out. And when you let it out, what happened? She embraced she, you. She embraced you and accepted you as you were. Okay. And heard you. <laughs> and heard thing. you. She yeah. she very much could have said, you know, well, I don't agree and like been argumentative about it. Oh, good but point. She, she heard his experience and listened to him and said, okay. And yeah. Betty 
she's a stubborn woman sometimes. So like, mm-hmm. that's a huge act of like contrition on her part. And she's yeah. like, I, I'm more people could, could do to listen to someone's lived experience with, you know, a, this issue. And then just yeah. like saying, I hear your experience. I respect your experience. I'm not going to correct you about this. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm done talking about it. I hear you. But um, I applaud her for that. I applaud her it was for that. Cool. Let, me not, let me not step on Betty and, like, make her out to be. But, you know, she was ha- she was having some friction with the kids, and she's kind of always had friction for Bobby. But yeah. accepting what Don was saying and not going back and forth about it yeah. and embracing him was a good sign that Don should – read the tea leaves of and try to now move forward in that in that back and forth i like that the tea leaves read the tea leaves of this moment yeah yeah Um, exactly good point man um shoot yeah no it's it's just really a nice nice dad break or not dad break sorry nice uh nice fatherhood corner i think this is the biggest fatherhood episode of the whole show yeah because it's all about don's parenting style yeah, even even for like an for for like a mod men thing, raising kids in the traditional way versus the healthy way, and kind of seeing the juxtaposition between those two things kind of happening in this episode a little bit. Yeah, even within the family structure itself, and it's so funny because the person coming from the most out uh, most um, tragic of of um, of of uh, family structures is using that information and coming with the healthy solutions of it at least from a yeah at least from a child rearing perspective you know what i mean yeah he's he's i wish he could have learned from like the wedding perspective or, or not wedding but the um marriage perspective you know but yeah his trauma manifested in a different way in his romantic relationships um my mod man for the episode is that uh, Roger's daughter, uh, even for nowadays, what she was saying about just wanting a small wedding and not needing to stand in front of all these strangers and like to prove our love, that's a progressive or at least a modern thing right now. So yeah. her saying that in 1963, um, 1962-1963, very progressive for the time. I bet it felt much crazier for her to be saying that. At that restaurant. I think that's why they were taken aback by it. (laughs) Yeah, but they they kept their cool. But it is a – it's it's wild for a Sterling, you know, who has – she is an interesting character to watch, Jala, because this is a girl who has gotten everything she wants because of her privilege and the the immense riches of her family. And just keep an eye on her because she she is rejecting that, you know, privilege and that wealth right now. Yeah. She's like, we just want a small wedding. and But at the same time, she's with a husband who is giving her everything she wants. You notice that? He says whatever she wants. It's, she wants. Right. So, it's 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 kind of interesting. It's like... The duality st- of it. She still wants what she wants, but she I wants to be in control. Terms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, oh, what a great episode, man. Of Not just of dad men, uh, but of mad men. And yeah, man. Duck Hunt... Pete Shorts, <laughs> Dermot, Dermot Coffee Music, um, beautiful. We just hit the incredible gamut. episode. We, Almost is, as if we were following the show itself. <laughs> I tell you, there's an exact formula for 
Mad Men episodes quality and Dad Men episodes quality. And they're always dead on it. Just dead on it. All right, man. Well, I'm going to say thank you for doing this with me this week. It was a lot of fun. We we squeaked you in before a big family trip. I hope it goes better than uh, any sort of Don and Betty trip would go. I would hope so. I would hope so. <laughs> Appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, as always. The medium is the message. Goodbye, everybody. Adios. This has been a Destiny Park Media production. If you like the show, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. For more content, you can follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. We're going to be posting video clips of your favorite podcasts, as well as glimpses at new music. And hey, drop us a line or send any questions you might have to destinyparkmedia at gmail.com. 